Good morning again. It's good to be with you today on a very special day. Last Sunday, it being Easter, I was at St. Mark's Cathedral. I preached and in the course of it stated a lot of things I believe. The resurrection, Jesus, God, things like that. In the course of the week, I got an email from a person who described what often happens on Easter Sunday, coming to church for the first time in a long time, believing themselves mostly to be agnostic, but still searching. This person said, I really don't think there is a God, but I would like to think so. The person loved the service, apparently was surprised in a good way by my sermon. That doesn't always happen. And wanted to ask more questions, and here's what they were. Why do you think there is a God? How do you know? I know some people say faith, but logically, what convinces you? What makes you so sure? I don't want to believe in something just because it's comforting or makes me feel good. I want to know the truth. I couldn't help but think of this person this week as I came upon the inevitable second Sunday of Easter passage, which is so known in the Christian circles now as Doubting Thomas. Perhaps he is doubting, but he's certainly not alone. I've always been amazed, really, that he gets such a bum rap in the theological and biblical worlds. He really is only asking for, for what the others in this story have already seen. And even more, it's very important to pay attention to the fact that Jesus doesn't rebuke him or disown him or even ridicule him. In fact, Jesus simply seems to say, at least to me, Thomas, I really get that, and I'm glad I can show you what you're asking for, and bless all those who will follow, who will not be able to see this and yet believe it anyway. As in us, our generation, you and me, who only believe if we do because we have been told it and heard it and lived it. So many times we seem to take this response from Jesus to Thomas as some kind of rebuke, but I never have. I think Jesus is just stating the facts, which were important to Thomas, and he knew they would be important to many in this life on this earth. It is important to that Easter visitor who asked me those questions. Why? How? What makes you know this? And I'm not going to be able to give this person what Jesus could give Thomas. Put your finger here. Put your hand there. My belief comes from other data. I did not get the facts or the flesh and blood, but instead I get the force of time, the force of following, the reality of the community that we call the body of Christ. Jesus and Paul and others who left us the story of the early Christian community will be getting clearer on that in the days ahead as we hear those, this story, in the days after Thomas's question, that in their time they actually had the literal body of Jesus and now in this time after those days, we do not have that. But instead we have the collective body, this community now known as the body of Christ. The great theologian Paul Tillich once said that doubt was not the opposite of faith, but rather proof of it. If you think about it, you can't doubt something you totally already have given up on. Doubt comes from a place where there's still a bit of light coming through the door for you, where the possibility of truth is still alive for you. 
when you have solidly made up your mind that whatever it is you are being asked to believe doesn't exist, you don't doubt it anymore. You have decided. So I think Tillich had an excellent point. There's a great story about George Regas, the longtime rector of All Saints Pasadena, California, who asked a man in his congregation to be on the vestry. The man replied, don't people on the vestry need to believe in God? I'm not sure I do. Regus responded with another question, would you like to believe there is a God? To which the man answered, yes. And then Regus repeated his question, would you like to be on the vestry? That's enough for me. In the same way, I think this is a profound conversation and assertion. Having the hope that there is a God is just as strong an indication that you do have faith as doubting as it might be. There is one of the misunderstandings of faith in the first place. The word for faith in scripture is a bit different than how we experience that word when we hear it in this generation. Faith in the ancient languages is more like trust. Do you trust in God? Somehow in our world, this has morphed into having to know without a shadow of a doubt, to know it like I know the sun will come up tomorrow. But then how do we know that? We know that through experience because in the whole of our lives, it has come up. We have faith that it's there even when the clouds cover it and we don't actually see it for days and we sure get to experience that around here a lot. We stand at a bus stop and wait on faith that the bus that they say will come will. We get on an airplane and never once do we interview the pilots. I think we need to get to interview the pilots. It only makes reasonable sense. How do you feel today? When was your last physical? What did you eat for dinner last night? No, we sit down and we have faith that those persons know what they are doing and that the plane will work great and then we fly at 600 miles an hour at 35,000 feet. Yes, there are rare and terrible situations where that does not happen, but overwhelmingly, it does. What a miracle, a flying metal tube flies around the globe thousands of times a day. We trust. We put a letter in the mailbox having faith it will get to where it says and that everything will happen as it's supposed to for that to happen. Occasionally it doesn't, but amazingly, most of the time it does. We don't see it happen. We just trust it will happen. None of those prove anything, but they do build trust. I don't get to put my fingers in the hands or in the sides of the resurrected Jesus, but I do see resurrection in this world heroic love for others, sacrificial living and giving from the body, now known as the body of Christ, every day. And that, to me, is enough proof, enough trust in the God of love, the God of Jesus. I cannot prove it to you. I can't show you something under a microscope or have you watch a video or give you a certificate of authenticity. I can share my experience. Faith is not about physical proof or absolute knowing. Faith is trust, and I've decided to trust in the God of love. That's how I know. Yes, in our enlightened age, we want proof. We are a scientific people still, but that is not faith. That is something quite different. 
Thomas went on to do great things, heroic things, one of the greatest evangelists for the church. He helped others who never got the gift he did to trust in what he did. And they went and told the same story and shared that story. And today, you've heard that story. We've heard that story, just as billions of believers have across this globe, across time and space, and who, because of that story, trust and believe. Those that passed it down trusted not only in the literal body of Jesus, but in the greater body of Christ, the community connected all the way back to Jesus himself. That is faith. That is why I believe. So we owe Thomas a great deal, I think, for moving us from absolute to trust by sharing the story and asking us to share it too so that many more may trust it and live into it. It is that trust and that faith that we will all renew today. We will do that with those who step forward today to be baptized or confirmed or received or who reaffirm their faith, symbolizing for us and vowing for themselves that they have that trust, that they believe in the God of love and want to live more deeply in that trust in that way. They step forward as witnesses to that trust, to that faith, so that we might live more deeply into it too. May we go from this place and do just that. My sisters and brothers, I've said these words to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.